It is uh, Thursday, the 22nd of June, at least in Australia. This is Two Guys, One Cup, and AFL. No, 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 what? no, no. It's the 23rd in Australia. It's the 22nd in America. Oh, okay. So it's Wednesday, the 22nd in America, but it's Thursday, the 23rd yes. in Australia. <laughs> this is Two Guys, One Cup, an AFL podcast. <laughs> Welcome back, Will. We've missed you. <laughs> I, I, you were showing off just nailing the start of it. Like, I listened to both your episodes with Michael, and you, like, really did nail the start of it. And I was like, why did we even agree that I should start this podcast? I think it was because you start TOEFOP, and we thought that it'd just be fair. I should start this one. But really, <laughs> you're just better at starting. <laughs> you should start the podcast. <laughs> I'd be like the captain of the team that went out to toss the coin and then just throws the coin into his own eye every week. Um, I heard every seventh word of those sentences, you started to break up. I know you went on a rant. It seemed very funny. You look like you're having a good time. So uh, uh, something about why why um, are you doing the intros? Why aren't I doing the intros? Something like that. <laughs> yes, that's what it was, Charlie. Good guess. <laughs> brilliant. Brilliant. <laughs> I then parlayed that into a football analogy where I talked about the idea okay. if I were captain of the team, I would uh, go out into mm. the centre of the field and I would throw the coin into my own eye and then we'd kick towards <laughs> the wing, I think. So people now will have heard but, that twice. Well, you uh, you actually um, had your time away from the podcast was very football-like. You had a two-week break. You are on the injury list, Will Anderson, two weeks. Um, how do you feel? You refreshed? Has your body got a chance to get itself right again? No, I, I I like to think that I've been rushed back. I'm not ready to go. Oh, um, <laughs> yeah. I, I, you know what I feel like? I feel like uh, Michael. Uh, I was like I was Essendon, right? Well, your this podcast mm. was Essendon, and uh, yeah, I was that's the a good sus- analogy. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and I was the suspended yeah. players. I was out on a drug yeah. allegation for a couple of weeks, and Michael was a top up player who came in. <laughs> and did a good job, uh, like did a very, very good job. But he's not hes not going to be yeah. there next year. And he knows it, you know, whereas I'm yeah. back. Yeah. And, you know, this is about this is about us building something again. He, uh, he had a chance to show his wares. Hopefully he'll get picked up by another podcast. Uh, you know, I mean, I don't know if Rosie's already started to look for a replacement, but, you know, the, the, fairy, tale, the fairy tale story would be Michael going back to junk time and uh, winning a podcast flag with them. <laughs> um. Yeah, I think the thing about Michael is, I mean, obviously he already has. I mean, essentially, if this analogy was to be, like, absolutely correct, it'd be like this year, Essendon were every week able to get one of the players from another team to come and play with them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, he's still going back to his own team. I mean, it was a really like, it was like a state of origin game or something. So he played his, like, regular, yeah. he did his regular podcast during the week. Yeah, but yeah, then yeah. midweek he did an extra podcast, you know. Well, it's more like... Well, saying it's like a state game suggesting he went to a higher level. I think it was more like he did a charity game for two weeks, <laughs> an exhibition match. Well, just to show us what real podcasting is. Well, here's the thing. Like, I mean, I think he's been doing his podcast long enough that he might be a free podcast agent, 
at the end of the yes. year. So, I mean, there will be other podcasts sniffing around, seeing if they can get I him think involved. He might be, I think he might, be a, he, he might be a restricted free podcast agent. Oh, yeah, that's right. I think Rosie has the right to match any deal that he's offered by any of the other podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, it- so what a what a what a what a week to uh, come back to the podcast. Uh, AFL, the A stands for apology. Wow, uh, we've had Eddie Maguire, we've had Spud, we've had Brad Scott. Everyone's coming out and apologising. Do you feel like I was just saying before we we started recording? Um, I'm feeling fatigued. Like I, this is the first time I've ever had to do a, a, a like a job surrounding football where I've had to pay attention, and it's halfway through the season, and I'm like, oh my god, like. I'm starting to get kind of like just I'm, I'm getting the staggers a bit, and I sort of feel like it's reflected in what I'm seeing in the game. Everyone's losing their minds a little bit. I I do think that there's a reason the buy is halfway through the season, and I think it's less about the players and it's more about everybody else who's involved in football because football is so all encompassing now and so like I mean I'm the same. I had two weeks break and kind of just kept my eye on the football, and it was a relief. Because suddenly you're like, mm. no wonder all these journalists seem like they hate football. By mid-season, <laughs> you hate football. <laughs> yeah. It's also till you start to see these kind of weird patterns or, or, or things happening. Like, let's talk about the Brad Scott right. thing first, because that yeah. one just sort of blew my mind. Um, you know, for anyone who doesn't know, Brad Scott uh, at his press conference basically said that he'd been told that the umpires were instructed or had made a pact not to play Lindsay Thomas any free kicks because he's a ducker. Right. And he came out and just stated that to a room full of journalists. Now, in the history of the game, has anyone come out and questioned or, or, or slammed an umpire or the, or the AFL itself and got away with it? Um, like, how did he think that was going to go? Well, he didn't think. I mean, that's the, tr- yeah. that's the truth of it. I think Brad Scott, you know, you, there's a lot of great things you could say about Brad Scott as a coach, but he's not a mm. good loser. He really isn't a good loser. Like, if you look back at all the shit, every time when one of these things where he has a go at somebody, he has a go at the on-ground you know, person, he has a go at this, it's always after they've lost, and he's a bit of a fucking sore loser. He's a bit of a sook. Mm. And I think it's actually probably mm. what makes him such a great coach. Like, he hates to lose. Like, he's still one of those yeah. guys... You know, like sometimes with the modern coaches, even when they lose, they're so quickly into the process about what a season is about. Like I was watching um, after the Bulldogs lost on the weekend, I was watching Bevo's like message to the, you know, mem- your members, you know, in the email they send you, he sends you a little private message about the weekend. And the way that he talked about that game, but then quickly went into the fact that it was white ribbon and did his whole spiel about white ribbon and stuff. It was like, it must have been minutes after we'd had that loss, but he was already in that. Uh, was it? Was it a, a video message? Yeah, a video message. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's just yeah. doing one of those kind of messages to the members. Here's what happened in the game. Here's some other stuff that's going on in the club. Here's what we're going to do, you know, next week sort of things. And they're really good. Like, he, mm. he speaks amazingly. Like, the, the words, it was such a contrast, the words that he used about White Ribbon in contrast with what happened with Eddie and the, the radio stuff that we'll talk about a bit later. Like, it, it was this really brilliant sort of you know, message, which I shared even on Facebook because I thought it was such a good message and I loved because Facebook is just full of assholes. This one guy's like, aren't they the Bulldogs who shit in a hotel corridor? And I was like, actually, what? no, they weren't. So, <laughs> like, <laughs> not those ones, not the corridor shitters. <laughs> but I kind of like that idea that Brad Scott 
like is just shitty a bit about it. I think that's why he's been so successful is that he's got that old fashioned thing of like when they lose, he can't, you know. But let me ask you this question about the Lindsay Thomas thing. Do you think that Lindsay Thomas ducks for free kicks? Yes. Yeah, and do you think that Lindsay Thomas has a long history of being a guy who, like, he has that soccer thing of if you just come within him, like, he flops. He's a flopper, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, the thing I'd say is, he, yes, he does, but he's by no means the only player who does that. I think he just... Uh, it's kind of like um, uh, 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 um, uh, when Matthew Lloyd used to play. Yeah. Matthew Lloyd used to have a reputation as being a diver. And there was tons of forwards used to do it, but for some reason, maybe it was a couple of high-profile incidents, he just became the guy that you'd call a diver, you know? Uh, it's sort of like, you know, last year when Adam Goods, this sort of um, a narrative started around that, you know, Adam, Adam Goods was a dirty player. You know, he yeah. does these slide tackles and stuff when statistically Adam Goods, you know, didn't really, wasn't, did not play out any more outside the rules than anyone else. Right. But it just fits kind of the narrative of what people are trying to do. And so I think... It just became, it was a year ago. It was sort of fun to call Lindsay Thomas a ducker and stuff, but now it's sort of become this thing where, oh no, we have to be very serious about Lindsay Thomas and you know head eye tackles and you know our, uh, pl- players being coached to do this and stuff. But I, 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 I think yes, he does it, and it's probably hard for him to unlearn it. But you know, like at St Kilda, I've seen like you know Stephen Milne used to play for free kicks all the fucking time. He's a small forward pocket player, like you. You know, you're often going to be like going into packs with bigger blokes. It's you, you do whatever you can to to get the free kick, and it's within the rules, right? Right. That's one of the things in your armory to take down the giant. Yes. Giant is that you know you have that advantage of they're almost always going to tackle you over the head. Like, you know, it's one of those things of yeah. like you know, it's great to be Mumford because you know you can get the ball above everybody else, but every time you try to tackle someone, you often miss the top of your head because you're a lumbering giant. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> well, I did the. I did think it was kind of interesting that the last play of the day in that Hawthorne Kangaroos game was uh, Puopolo laying a tackle in which the North Melbourne defender threw his head back as if he'd been taken high. And then on the replay, you saw it and he got nowhere near his head. Yet still, the discussion was about Lindsay Thomas after the game. It's like, hang on, the penultimate moment of that game involved another North Melbourne player throwing his head back as if he's been struck, but no one seemed to want to talk about it. Do you think it is that degree of acting, though? Because, like, as you said, most people play for free kicks. If you're a forward, you will position yourself literally in a position so somebody will have to run into you or, like, hack your arms or whatever to get a free kick. That's still playing Mm. for a free kick. But it's the ones that people have the problem Mm. with is the big exaggerated, you know, when you El Pacino it. When you go the full Pacino (laughs) and you add all the gravy and you're chewing the scenery, is it a matter of that Lindsay just needs to be a little more subtle in his performance? Well, it's weird. If it's Stevie J doing it, everyone laughs. It's like, ah, Stevie, being a little rascal and stuff. When Lindsay Thomas does it, it's like, you fucking diver, you fucking actor, where's your Oscar? It's like, well, how come it's adorable when Stevie J does it and it's a crime against humanity when fucking Lindsay Thomas does it? Yeah, it's like Stevie J does exactly the same thing, but he's got that charm of an old school pickpocket grifter, you know? Yeah, he's the artful dodger. <laughs> right. Everyone's like, yeah, well, he robbed us, but, you know, <laughs> yeah. he made us laugh while he was here. Yeah, I guess it's, I mean, I, I, it must be that thing of, you know, people hate 
well, what I, I mean, when I say people, I'm talking about myself. You know, the soccer, the, the thing that right. I can't stand about soccer, soccer are the way players take dives. You know, they'll get a tap on the ankle and they look like they've been shot. So maybe for Lindsay, there's a sense, like when Stevie J does it, he'll dive, he won't get the free kick, and then he'll drop the act, he'll laugh, and you know. Whereas I think maybe Lindsay does kind of hold the head a bit and calls for a neck brace. Right. And, you know, all this kind of stuff until he gets the yeah. free kick. Lindsay commits maybe that, too much. Maybe that's it. Lindsay takes yes. six. Lindsay's on the injury list for six weeks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's, he's a method ducker. <laughs> yeah, I think. But what about like, you know, the other prominent one is, is Joel Selwood. Yeah. Like Joel Selwood as a midfielder kind of pioneered the technique of getting the ball uh, and then just either raising your arm up to so the tackler goes around your neck or just sticking his head down and charging out of a pack. Now, again, I feel like, well, he's not doing... He's playing within the rules, but he's doing the same thing. He's playing for a free kick. He's putting himself in danger. Yeah, in fact, he never even got, like, cut on his face. He'd often do that thing they did in wrestling where he'd have a little <laughs> razor blade and he'd just nick himself. So when he came out the other side, he could get a free kick. A lot of people don't know that. Yeah. Well, James Sicily came out. Is it no Michael Sicily? James Sicily, the Hawthorne Hawthorne, player? James Sicily. James. Yeah, right. He came out uh, last week. <laughs> Who knows? Same. I call I call a Jason Johansson Jake Johansson pretty much every second week. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, yeah. We'll just call him. We'll just call him the Sicilian. I oh, know Mike Hallers informed us that it's James. So James came out last week and said that because he. Uh, uh, he, I think he had a couple of free kicks played for head high, and he was saying that you know they don't they don't train for it. Like he's not coached; they don't practice getting a head high. But I think if it, it's not so much the, uh, a proactive coaching, but just by when you when the new rules are sort of taught for players each season, just by uh, elimination, that becomes something that you have, like you said, in your armory. Right, and it's one of those things where you know with the the person who gets the ball first, like the tackler has to tackle well. I mean, I think. You know, if if they get the tackle wrong, and because the great thing these days is, because you know, you see what the Bulldogs do, like Bont and Pally and those guys, they do that great thing where they're trying to get their hands high so that when you tackle them, their arms are still loose and they can still position where they want and get rid of the ball. So yeah. if you go too high, you know, you go around the neck, but if you go too low, people keep their arms up. Like, I mean, tackling's a very hard yeah. thing to do, but it should be hard, I think. Like, I don't think that we want yeah. to, our game to be rugby or rugby league, you know. We want a game that is most about the ball flying all over the place and tackling is an important part of it but we don't want these sort of scrums and like if, if you tackle mm. if you tackle badly if you're second to the ball and, and you don't lay a good tackle give the other guy a free kick I have no problem with it yeah I think the, the thing about uh, Brad Scott too is I'm sure that umpires do go into games with um, uh, with, with presumptions about so, certain players I, like so this, this is what I was going to say uh, to you right is okay. this and this is a question I was going to ask you is do you think by the way people listening couldn't see that but you just pointed at me with your beer <laughs> in order to make your point it was like an alcoholic judge calling right. for order in the court you just said so pointed your beer order. so that's alright from now on order some you more drinks order <laughs> we finally this is now that we've had my break I've come back and this is like yeah. a proper football discussion that we're having now where to make a point I'm yeah. pointing my beer at you I'm like now Charlie <laughs> <laughs> no, so the thing I wanted to say about that is that do you think that the umpires do go into the game, not just with Lindsay Thomas, but, you know, isn't that a sensible thing to do? If somebody's known for flopping in a free kick or if somebody's known for, isn't that something you should be taking into account in that moment when you're making that decision? Surely the more information right. they have, the better. 
For instance, this is an incident you'll remember quite well. The uh, preliminary final in 2009, Bulldogs versus St Kilda. Can't remember. Brian it. Lake it is out. playing... <laughs> Brian Lake is playing on Nick Revolt. Was he Brian, Brian Lake, Lake then or was he Brian Harris? Oh, he's Brian Harris. Oh, no. no he Brian I Lake. think he was Lake by 2009. Okay, so Brian Lake. So uh, Brian Lake was known for playing a fairly physical, close-checking kind of game. Yeah. Uh, the umpires had said to him in the first half, like, if you were doing anything off the ball, we're going to penalise you. So in the start of the third quarter, I think they're, they're just going jogging out to their position and he bumps Nick Revolt off the ball. Fairly innocuous bump. I don't know if Nick may be accentuated, but it was enough for the umpires to play a free kick. And I think if it had been another defender, they probably wouldn't have paid it because it was so innocuous and maybe Nick took a dive. But because it was Brian Lake slash Harris and they had warned him, they paid the free kick. So I think that is kind of an example of an umpire going in with an idea of what a player or who a player is and, and what he's known for doing. Now, clearly, I think this player was a completely clean player and I never saw them do anything untoward. <laughs> but some other people who don't barrack for the Bulldogs, when Tony Liberatore won the Brownlow medal, suggested that he was the sort of player that if you played on him all day, you might you know, end up with a series of pinch marks on your body or those sort of things. Scratches underneath your eyes. I think there's absolutely no problem with if you know if you've sent like a tagger out there to ruin one of the great you know player in the game. If the umpires pay special attention to them, pay special attention to them. The person earning the ball should always be the person who's protected. And if somebody's like doing something yeah. off the ball, I have absolutely no problem with them having. I mean, I know that essentially we should have the same rules for everybody, but you should also be able to compensate yeah. a bit on the people who flaunt the rules. Should also get yeah. a you know you get it back in reverse. There was a game I remember. I think it was in 2009 or maybe 2008, in which uh, Adam Schneider uh, didn't get a free kick he thought he deserved on the boundary line. So he ran past the field umpire and gave a very sarcastic kind of like golf clap, as if to say, "Oh, well done, mate. Well done. You're you're a great umpire." And then at the end of the game, when scores are very close, Adam Schneider clearly got his head ripped off in the forward pocket. No free kick. Right. And I am certain that that's an umpire with a, you know, a long memory saying, all right, Adam, you're going to do a little sarcastic golf clap. Maybe I'm going to have to, you know, look past you getting your head ripped off. Mate, sometimes you've got to know what the consequences of the actions you take are. If I make a joke on Gruen about Andrew Bolt, the next day I'm going to be in his blog and he's going to send some idiots after me on Facebook. You've just got to know that before you go into it. Don't act surprised. I also think that that's I don't mind that about the game. No. Like I don't mind that the umpire that the umpires can uh, adjust their 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 rulings based on you know what a player is doing. It's obviously going to be consistent within what the rules are. But, I mean, does it though? Because like who knows what they are? I mean, the players don't yeah, know, the coaches <laughs> don't know. No one in the crowd yelling out shit knows what the fucking rules are. Half of them are interpretive. Why do we spend so much time each week obsessing over two things we've all agreed were wrong when the, it's like, mm. it's literally going, describe a river to me. And when they describe the river, except for one or two things, we're like, fuck you. You're shit describing a river. I'm like, he literally described a river, a moving, flowing yeah. object to you. I mean, it's a hard game to yeah. ref referee as long as, I mean, come on. Well, the, the risk too is that they always talk, it's really, really hard to get umpires at junior levels. Ah, I mean, because it's such a thank, it's a, such a fucking thankless job, but we need them. So if you are, if you have a coach of a club coming out or a prominent player or a prominent figure of the AFL coming out and questioning the integrity 
of an official, that filters right down. I mean, do you remember when you were playing junior football? Like, umpires, like, the parents were some of the worst, like, abuse I've ever heard of the football, were parents, uh, 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 you know, to umpires in an under-16s game. Mate, when I was, uh, I reckon I was about 14, 13 or 14 years old, and I used to play junior cricket, and then I'd go and play, i just field or, like, bat down the end in my dad's senior team in the afternoons, you know. And so I would have been like 13 or 14, maybe 15 if I was that. But I remember that, you know, you'd have to provide the umpires. So your team would be like, you know, so I would always umpire just this. Great. <laughs> Excellent. Yes. <laughs> provide the umpire. So basically when your team was batting, you'd also go out and do square leg, I think, at the very least. So I was doing the yeah, square yeah, leg yeah. umpiring, right? And there was a run out and I thought our guy had made it and like everyone on the other team thought he had it. But I mean, I wasn't trying to cheat or anything. I literally just thought that's what had happened. And the things in retrospect that these grown fucking adults said to a 13 or 14 year old boy that day, like at the time I was like, well, I guess like, and I felt terrible because I thought, well, maybe I did get it wrong or maybe like, you know, whatever. But these were just. Mm. Grown adult man's yelling fucking horrible, hateful things at a thirteen-year-old boy. It was yeah. it was pretty Let's, fucking full on in retrospect. It's kind of weird. Like there, there was a time I remember, you know, sort of uh, around the sort of start of the footy show where it was like every week they would lay into the umpires and Sam Newman would always go on this thing about our oh, umpires are just these little pansies who weren't tough enough to play the game. And now they, you know, these little officious kind of guys trying to, you know, get control by, you know, trying to, oh, even Brian Taylor would do the same thing. I was trying to take the spotlight by, you know, playing these decisions. And it's just like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like it is the hardest job of anyone on the ground, really. And I remember when I was a junior, a mother jumped the fence. This is like under 13s or something because she thought her son should have been prayed for a kick. So she jumped the fence and ran onto the ground to remonstrate, remonstrate with the umpire. And it's like you, you just cannot, you cannot bring those guys into question if you want to have like a, if you want to have respect for the game. Oh, like the, the arguments, it tends to be most of the time. It's like these fucking idiots. These fucking morons who got this decision wrong that we've played on TV for an entire week from every single angle in slow motion and still the majority of people are split about 70-30. These fucking morons mm. did not represent that in their decision in a split second in the middle of the game while they've been running 14 kilometers that day. Fuck these guys. Yeah. Fuck them. Yeah. Like, Was there ever an umpire that you remember like an AFL umpire that you hated that you were like oh he hates the bulldogs he's got it in for the bulldogs mate i i don't know like mostly i don't know what the umpires names are like and i don't mean that yeah. in a well, you know you know you know some of the big ones like you know razor ray oh mate over the years you've known some but i don't yeah but i think like what is great about the the australian umpires is that they that you don't know them the point is to not know them. The point is to kind of not concentrate on one of them or like, you know, that idea that, you know, Adelaide had that one umpire in the Bulldogs game that like paid 16 free kicks to the Bulldogs or something and won to Adelaide. <laughs> but then like basically reverse that in the next game. Who cares? Yeah. Like, you know, they're there. We can't play this game without umpires. And I, I thought it was mm. totally like some people were shocked at the size of the because you know it was what it was like fifty thousand dollars for the for Norse and thirty thousand dollars for Brad Scott. Mm. Yeah, 
But yeah, I, good. I, good. Fucking good. Yeah. And it would, you know what? If they had suspended him for a week, I would not have had a problem with that. I'm not saying he should have necessarily got that, but to send that mm. message, because I, I absolutely agree with you 100%. We cannot play this game without umpires and we cannot get the best umpires without, you know, this doesn't encourage people to be go- going into it. Yeah, all this viciousness. No. Like, you know, these guys are amazing and doing a, I think, a pretty good job most weeks in, like, you know, um, officiating one of the hardest games to officiate in the world. Like, what other fucking sport mm. has decisions where the umpire has to guess the mindset of the person? The intent. The intent. Like, Mike Hell is a, yeah. a, a American uh, super producer who is now into football and now barracks for the fucking Hawks. So let's not even get into that. And- yeah, and most likely artificial intelligence. Right, two guys, one cup, one producer, fucking 13 cups. Anyway, fuck off. Have your own podcast. But <laughs> anyway, <laughs> your club colors are poo and wee, Mike Hal. But he, he wrote here, from an American perspective, as someone new to the sport, AFL umpiring is the most consistent, balanced officiating across all of the sports I follow. Well, there you go. That sums it up perfectly. Hey, can you uh, can you uh, imagine uh, you're the guy, the trusted confidant, who passed on the information to Brad Scott. You're the guy who heard the whispers. And just before the press conference, he said, oh, you know what I heard? They, they made a pact that they weren't going to pay Lindsay any free kicks before the game. Yeah. Brad goes out, does the press conference. And they also now, said your, brother's, your twin brother's hotter than you are. <laughs> but... It just blows my mind that, I mean, I, I don't know if Brad was deflecting. I thought his apology was pretty sincere, and, and I think he sort of took ownership of it. But he did sort of say that it was a trusted colleague passed on this information. Now, I just want to know, like, like to, what made it more, you know, you can have suspicions about, like, you know, bias, umpiring, whatever, but what made it so um, um, irrefutable that he felt the need to go in front of microphones and say it. Like, what did this confidant say to him? Or what was the, what was the evidence presented to Brad to make him feel like, as opposed to any other week, that this was legitimate? Well, firstly, I think that you do trust people. It's human nature to trust people you know. That's why people have these ridiculous attitudes about vaccines and stuff like that is because they have some idiot friends who read a couple of articles on the internet and you're more likely to trust somebody you know telling you something than an expert or a scientist and stuff like that. So firstly, I do think that was the problem. Somebody trusted said it to him so he believed it was true. Um, I believe that Roy Orbison was an albino for three years because Charlie Pickering told me. And I told other, I told other people that. I passed that on. Like that checked out. He had the right, he dyed his hair. He had the dark sunglasses on all the time. I was like, this makes sense. He's an albino. And I told heaps of people and I never checked it because it came from a trusted source. Um, yeah, right. And apparently it was, well, the big rumor is, or maybe it's even been confirmed, but it was Jeff Walsh, who's their footy manager, who's like one of the most uh. experienced footy people there is. So I think if Jeff Walsh told you that, and I think, if I had to guess at how this all went down, here's my guess. Like, for weeks, they all think that Lindsay Thomas doesn't get... Because because here's the thing. Lindsay Thomas has a track record of at some stages in his career obviously faking for free kicks. I don't think he fakes any more than anybody else, but I think when he does fake, he fakes hard. He's Rob, yeah. he's Rob Reiner's mum in that scene from When Harry Met Sally. 
you know, yeah. you know, I'll have yeah. That he, it's the full fake, you know, with him. And I yeah. think that he had oh, Meg Ryan. I think you mean Meg Ryan, not 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 Rob Ryan. Yeah, well. it's a good point. Yeah, he's doing the full fake. Yeah, yeah. that's right. He's, <laughs> he's Meg Ryan. Yeah, and then Jeff Walsh was like, yeah. "I'll have what he's having." <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh, firstly, I think Lindsay does have this reputation, right? So I think the umpires probably do when every time he looks like he's over the shoulder, they probably assess it a little harder, right? Because he has form. Yeah. He has a track record. And once you have form, then I think that people do assess it a bit harder. I think that North have thought that he's being unfairly treated and that his past history shouldn't be what's happening now. And then this happens. So they've already got this thing in their mind that Lindsay's being badly treated, has been bubbling along for a while. Then somebody hears something, the message gets passed on, it reinforces what they already think about this situation. Yeah. And then bang, this happens, you know? Do you remember the uh, Whispers in the Sky controversy? Controversy. <laughs> controversy? The uh, Whispers in the Sky controversy? No. Um Okay, right. I'll just uh, I've just pulled it up on Wikipedia. This is a St Kilda and Fremantle have had like a history of like bizarre finishes to their game. Um, uh, in round twenty one, two thousand five, the match between uh, St Kilda and Frio at Subiaco was crucial to the finals aspirations of both teams. Fremantle won the match by five points when Justin Longmuir kicked a goal after the siren. Fremantle had mounted a small comeback in the final quarter and were assisted by several contentious umpiring decisions going Fremantle's way during the quarter. On the flight home from Perth, field umpire Matthew Head was overheard by Nine Network commentator Tony Jones and several other passengers to have said, now I know what it feels like to have a victory. A controversial statement in the context of a close match widely thought to have been influenced by Head's umpiring. The AFL investigated uh, and exonerated Head of any wrongdoing and corruption. The conversational context of the comment is unknown. Now, this was a huge news story at the time. And the evidence that Tony Jones presented, I remember, was he had either a drink coaster or a napkin, which he wrote down what he thought he heard, which was, now I know what it's like to have a victory. And he was like presenting that to the press as, here's evidence, here's evidence that, they, that, that there was something dodgy going on. Now, isn't context everything in this situation? Like, is it not possible that Matthew Head was joking when he got onto the plane? Mate, isn't it like that? You could say that sentence in in any context. Now that I know what it feels like to have a victory, they could have been playing fucking tic tac toe with him and another. <laughs> um, like they could have done a Sudoku together. You know what I mean? They could have watched the latest Game of Thrones and been House Stark. The point being yeah. that you know, there's any context you could say that. And secondly, Tony fucking Jones. Don't get me fucking started on that fucking muppet. <laughs> like what a fucking idiot. Like firstly. You know what I love? Because he's, he's such a try-hard right-wing commentator. Remember when um, Eddie... Mag- uh, no, uh, not Eddie McGuire. When uh, Steve Price went from being this kind of just like normal sort of like talkback radio guy to becoming that right that sort of right-wing parody Steve Price character he is now. And it's not really convincing because he doesn't entirely really believe it. He's just... Do- Tony Jones is a bit like that. He fills in for Neil Mitchell on um, 3AW in Melbourne. And he tries right. to do this kind of like Andrew Bolt slash Neil Mitchell like... He tries to be... <laughs> I, th- I believe the term is firebrand. Provocative. He has opinions and he's yeah. not afraid to express them. And he re- yeah. he really fucking shits me. And I think he's a terrible, terrible sports journalist. <laughs> I think he's fucking beat on... Like, you know when you irrationally hate someone? For me, it's fucking yeah. Tony Jones. So something that has been amusing me so much has been this running 
joke. You know, on Thursday nights, they do a cross on Channel 9 News in Melbourne from him to the footy show. And they, it's a bit of a what's on the footy show tonight. And it'll always be one of the players who's on the panel. And they've started doing this thing of signing off with this nickname that Tony Jones hates. Because Tony Jones got his teeth done, you know, because he wants to be like, you know, the newsreader, Tony Jones. And so now everyone in the footy world calls him Chompers. But... <laughs> <laughs> and he and he hates it like he hates it right like he loathes it he like because he clearly didn't want anyone to know that he'd had him done or whatever the fuck it is but he hates this nickname and i don't know if it's the guys from the footy show or how it's started but the first time i noticed it was patrick dangerfield i so they're interviewing patrick dangerfield it was after it was you know before his first game and he's like they're doing the cross to the footy show and at the end of it he goes yeah, and that, that'll be all tonight. Thanks, Chompers. And then it goes back to like Tony Jones, who clearly is not fucking amused at all. Who's trying a little bit to pretend he's amused, but not even trying that hard to pretend he's amused. He goes, he says something like, well, we'll never have him on again. Yeah, right. Fucking Patrick Dangerfield. You'll have to have him yeah, on every Patrick week, Good luck with that. <laughs> Good luck with that. Not interviewing him after he wins his ninth brown though, but. Um, but it's become a running joke. So now every week on the show, one of these arsehole footballers yeah. calls him Chompers and every week he fucking hates it. <laughs> it's That's so fantastic. It's I mean, if, it, if, it, if you needed any more evidence about how hysterical Australian sports fans get over ridiculous things, not only is there a Wikipedia entry about Whispers in the Sky... It's actually called Whispers in the, in the Sky. They came up with a moniker for a complete non-incident. Oh, wow. I mean, the thing about that is, do I think that umpires can be influenced by crowds? Yes. Mate, yeah, 100%. Go to, a, like, go to one of those like Western Australian games or one of those Adelaide, like anywhere where there's a huge home crowd. Like, you know, part of that is eventually on those 50-50 decisions. You know, the umpires... Like if you if somebody kicks the ball deliberately towards the boundary line and fifty thousand people yell deliberate and you were on the fence about making a decision in that moment, then of course that might just be that extra encouragement you need to go, Yeah, no, yeah, I think that was deliberate, you know what I mean? But Yeah. But isn't that just part of the sport? Why do we fucking give a shit so 100%. much? Well this is sort of off the topic a little bit, but what do you think about um the, the score review? Because People seem to hate it, and like the commentators are always bitching and moaning about, oh, you know, it's just slowing things down, and you can't tell what's going on. I love it. I think it adds like some suspense to the game, and even if it is inconclusive, they just go back to what the uh, goal umpire's original decision was anyway. It just uh, it creates a bit more drama. Oh, mate, can't we fucking breathe for a second in this game too? Like, yeah. I want the game, like, I mean, sometimes this game feels like we're a meth addict who's been masturbating for 15 hours straight. I'm like, just have a break. We all like a wank, but come on. Like, this, this is not fun anymore. Like, oh my God, that's a quote of the week. We all like a wank, but come on. Will Anderson. Chamber wasn't bringing this sort of quality material to the no, podcast. No, no, bloody hell. Jeez, you've come out and made a state. This is a statement podcast for you. No, but you know what I mean, which is I love that when the game is in play, that it moves quickly. I think that is a great thing about mm. the game. But we can have some breaks within all that excitement to just have a breather and talk to your mate about what just happened and whatever. So if you take, you know, a minute 
with the score review. I mean, come on. Mm. Have you ever been to a fucking cricket game? Yeah. Like, but the thing too, the, the, but it comes back to that thing of like this ridiculous expectations on umpires when, you know, an umpire is unsure whether or not it was touched over the line or if it was touched off the boot and consults the field umpire and says, I'd like to do a score review. And the commentators are all like, oh God, you know, what's he there for? Why can't he make a decision? It's like, well, you've got the fucking system in place. Why wouldn't you use it? Like, I don't understand why, you know, the expectation is the umpires should know every single fucking time. Like, especially with a history of crucifying, like you said, umpires for making a split-second decision that goes wrong with, you know, a week's worth of replays, I would fucking call on the replay even if it was a clear-cut goal. Like, a guy strolls into an open goal and asks for a replay just to make sure. Oh, mate, it's one of those things where, you know, it's like somebody go, oh. That guy saw a cop car with a speedo, and then he checked his speedometer to see what, like, he was going. Yeah, he did. That's why the technology is literally there, for that purpose. He didn't just guess how fast he was going. No, he didn't, because that's why they have that technology. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree with you. I mean, it's not... it. You don't want it to take forever, and you feel like if they clear cut on things... Like, I'd rather us make a few bad calls i mean i think those bits of technology should be there for the the game deciding calls the really big calls but if it's there who cares and i don't think it has has it come into play for to to decide a game yet like a a kind of has there been a kick after the siren or whatever that i can't think of one incident where i mean essentially it's just there because they don't want a grand final fucked up like there was that year with tom hawkins where that could have you know decided the grand final it didn't in the end but it it could have, right? And I think after that, yeah. they just panicked a bit and just went, well, we've got to... Well, I wonder if, like, you'll get... But they're doing the bunker you know, now, you know? Ca- What's that one? You know they've got the bunker now. What's the bunker? Remind me. Okay, so the AFL now, in the NRL have it already, which means that when there's a score review or if there's a... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They go they go to the bunker, which is like the... It's like the back cave. Right. Just monitors everywhere and... So yeah. it'll just be people at AFL House or wherever the fuck the bunker is. I assume it's at AFL House? And then they will be in the bunker. No, it's it's forty kilometers underground <laughs> in a in a concrete sealed room. Can survive a nuclear explosion. You just it's the one thing that the, the two things that survive a nuclear holocaust are cockroaches and AFL. Yeah, I, Andrew Demetrio has been building an ark. <laughs> That's where he's gone. That's why we're not seeing much of Andrew Demetrio. He's down there, yeah. frozen in time until they. Can- Get me two of every coach. Brad Scott, Chris Scott. <laughs> yeah, I, that's what I like to think. It's like old AFL players in like uh, cryo freeze, like around. Yeah, cryogenic stasis, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's what they're going to go to now. They're going to go to this like central authority in the bunker in the back cave. To... So, so do you reckon they'll get to a point where... Um... Uh, like boundary line decisions will go to re- review because you know there's still a bit of sometimes there's a bit of uncertainty about whether you know a ball was touched over the line or kicked over the line. Like for instance, the Wayne Harms incident in the grand final where he knocked the ball back into Ken Sheldon yeah. to win Carlton the grand final against Collingwood. Like that could be very different with uh, you know the technology and the cameras we have now. So retrospective, are you saying go back, correct the mistakes? Oh, oh, oh yeah. <laughs> well, not retrospectively because I don't want to give Collingwood any more flags. <laughs> But no, I'm just, I'm just wondering if like, um, you know, in the future, if it's a controversial, if the Wayne Harms incident mm-hmm. happened in this year's grand final, 
Um, I, I wonder whether or not they would, for next year, implement, okay, uh, we're going to start putting cameras on the boundary lines as well. Well, you know what? They'll do it in the... I mean, it's a lot easier, of course, but in the NBA, you know, they can yeah, kind of challenge those decisions. I think in the last three minutes or whatever it is of each quarter or whatever it is. Um, I think it's more likely that we'll go to a last person who touched it out of bounds immediately over to the other team. Oh, yeah. But yeah, I think we're more likely in the future. And they're trialling it, I think, in the sample to go to the whoever t- touched it last, the other person gets possession out of bounds. Okay, as in, even if it's not kicked over the line, if it just goes out of bounds? Yeah, I think so. So the the, imper- oh, right. the imperative is to keep it in keep play. Keep it in. Yeah. Huh. Now, there, 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 might, be, be there might be some downsides to it. Like, you know, I don't mind... Yeah. I mean, I don't mind the... The throw-in from the out-of-bounds. Like, I still quite like that as a feature of the game. You know, the stupid... Um, but you, know, you know what I think is actually... And we noticed this at the Bulldogs game, like, early in the season was... Didn't you think the umpires weren't throwing it far enough? Or was it at the when we went to see St Kilda? Was it the St Kilda-Pies game that we remember. went to? But I remember the boundary... I remember. I remember... That's the one that I think is inconsistent. How far boundary umpires throw it in. You know, sometimes it feels like the, the Ruckman have set up and, and then the umpire just throws it 10 metres in front of them. See, I, I disagree. I'm always impressed by how far the boundary umpires can throw that ball in. Like, I'm all, I, when I see the Ruckman setting up, I'm always like, oh, they're too far away. They're like, you know, almost in the centre square. But right. then, you know, that's a 40 <laughs> metre throw. I'm, I'm always pretty impressed. <laughs> yeah, okay, all right. Well, maybe my expectations are too high. I think so. I should... Um, I should mention, uh, I, uh, I played in a, uh, well, I was meant to play in a charity football game on Sunday for Red Kite, which is a, uh, a charity that helps kids with cancer and their, and, and their families. It offers support. Um, second year in a row, I've uh, volunteered for this game and yep. it's been rained out. So what happens is, uh, for some reason, the Swans don't want us running onto the SCG and tearing up their turf before their game. So they instead request that we just have a goal kicking competition. So hang on. First, now, firstly... Things- why are they yeah. booking this game? Like, if it, I'll give them one, right? Last season, yeah. obviously, it was inclement weather. Why are you booking the game yeah. at the exact same time the next fucking season? Get that. It wasn't. It wasn't the same time last year. It was in April, so they oh. gave it a couple more months. I thought, let's wait till it gets wetter. <laughs> yeah. There's a couple of things I uh, I noticed. Is firstly. Uh-huh. You know, as a Saint supporter, I've gotten spoiled with the roof. Like, it was raining, and yeah. I-, I was out there, and I was like, what is this? Like, it's wet, the ground's soft, I don't understand what's going on. It was it was horrible. Uh, the other thing is that, because um, uh, when we went out, before we went out to have our goal-kicking comp, the Swans and, and the Demons were doing their warm-ups, and I got a real sense of what Jack Watts cops week in and week out. Like, that dude, like, he was just having warm-up shots for goal, and even though it was pissing down with rain, a fair few hardy Swan supporters had made the effort of going down the fence just to fucking give him shit, like, in the warm-up. And it's like, the game hasn't even started yet, and the poor guy's fucking coughing it. And at one stage, um, one of the guys, I won't say which celebrity uh-huh. I was standing next to, he fucking gave it to Jack. To Jack Watts. We're only standing about, yeah, we're only standing about 10 metres away from him, because he's lining up from about 50 and uh, he decided to give Jack, and Jack sort of turned around and gave it like you know it was one of those it was one of those kind of ha, which is like I could easily pick you up and tear you in half. Right. Also, <laughs> I'm pr- going to let probably copying the celebrity. Does, is this? I, I'm not going to ask for too many details, but is it a an actor yeah. or like a musician uh, or something? Uh, what? Well, 
What are they? What I mean, I think I think I think crediting them with either of those skills is generous, <laughs> or like a reality TV. But like, what field do no, they no, work no. in? I, I, I'd say uh, an actor. Okay, an actor right. Well, who, this... uh, who also does music? Right. So you're going to see like a really fucking nasty green guide letter from Jay Watts. <laughs> you know <laughs> why? Oh, why? <laughs> I play in a competition that is Home and Away Rounds, but I was watching an episode of Home and Away the other night. (laughs) (laughs) But the thing is, right, it's like, I don't understand. We've talked about it on an earlier uh, episode of this podcast, but is it just the private school thing? Is that what people dislike about Jack, that he looks like, you know, Captain Jack, you know, that sort of dashing blonde? Because he doesn't come across as a particularly unlikable person, you know. He doesn't sort of carry himself with like a, a cocky arrogance or whatever. I mean, Christian Petrarca was standing right next to him. Uh, and Christian Petrarca in his five games has already established himself as like the biggest fan club of the Christian, uh, the biggest fan of the Christian Petrarca fan club. He doesn't cop it. People love Petrarca, but there's something about Jack Watts that seems to inspire real disdain in even neutral football fans. What is it? Uh, I don't understand it at all. Like, if you're a Sydney Swans fan who's gone out in the rain to yell at Jack Watts before the game starts, you know what? Take a look at your life. Because, like, I can get it if you were a Melbourne fan in the first couple of years and this kid came in and you thought he was going to be the great, you know, white hope and perhaps he wasn't. I can understand. And perhaps he doesn't look like he tries hard enough on the field and perhaps his work rate wasn't there and all those sort of things. I can understand why you from your team might boo that person or get upset at that person. But if you're that's, a... Si- sorry, well, that, that actually... That sounds worse to me. No, but... but that sounds my, more intolerant. No, my point is I, I get that because you hoped yeah. you were going to be something and maybe you looked like he wasn't trying hard enough or whatever. I fucking get that. Yeah, yeah. But if you're an opposition supporter, what do you have against Jack Watts? He's never done anything to hurt your team. Like, literally, why do you hate him? I mean, this season, he's had a great season. I think he's, like, I mean, I think he's had a really great season this season. And I hope he's going to be one of those players that, you know, he'll probably play another, you know, five or six really good years of footy and people will forget they had a slow start to it. But I think, uh, I mean, maybe it's just the, like, Nick Revolt, I think, copped the same level of disdain. Number one draft pick, tall blonde. But I think Nick's sheer ability and the fact that he became, like, you know, uh, you know one of the best in our forwards in the game, sort of got him over that hump of being this target. Whereas with Jack, because he, you know, he was he was easily bullied, I guess. There was blood in the water. It sort of just it just it just made the frenzy go a bit a bit harder. Oh, not only was there blood on the water, he was fucking burly and he was thrown there by Melbourne. His own team yeah. threw him out as fucking burly because they wanted to you know, they had nothing else going for him, so they made a kid run out in a game that he wasn't ready to play, and then they made two fucking children their captains and, you know, have really almost destroyed both of their fucking careers at the same time. Like, mm. I mean, there was a lot of damage done to a lot of young players at the club that should not have been done, and that, you know, they've really... I mean, mm. you look at somebody like uh, Scully, who got out of there, and everyone kind of fucking had a go at Scully, and, like, and he's a terrible person, he's gone for the money. And at the time, he was like you know what, I'm just getting out of here because this is a terrible place. And now, mm. after those like years being paid over the odds at GWS, he's just, now that he's one of their regular fucking gun players every week, he's gone back to a $500,000 a year contract. And it's like, 
Oh no, mm. he he was the quality person, and he got out of this fucking yeah. mess where you were just ruining other people's careers. Yeah, I got to say though, Petraka, like <laughs> he, I think he's going to be. I mean, he could be anything. He he's eighteen or nineteen, and the guy, like his thighs, yeah. are the width of my shoulders. Like he's massive, but not only that, he's just he just has natural ability. I don't know if you know this, Will. He comes from a basketball background. <laughs> A bit like Scott Pendlebury. I don't know if you know it, but uh, basketball background. But he just, like, just even watching him in the warm-up and then watching, because I watched the first half of the game, like, he's just, he's, he's going to dominate. I just can't. I, it's either, well, it could go two ways. I think he's only going to get better. Or, like, what we're seeing now, like, he's just one of those guys who's, like, you know, he's come in at the level that he will always be and maybe other people will catch up to him. But, geez, he's fucking good. It just bums me out that we didn't have two, the top two picks in the in the draft in 2014, if we could have taken McCartan and Petrarca, gee, that'd be awesome. You could build a team around two players like that, I reckon. A gun key forward and a gun midfielder. Yeah, they're two. I mean, they are two really decent players. Unless, you know, Anthony Bannock's it. You know, there's a... Who? Rimmer? Yeah. Or is that the point? Yeah. <laughs> Anthony Bannock, uh, Maka Bannock, uh, number one draft choice for Richmond. Uh, like 20, right. 23 years ago, 24 years ago. Um, so number one draft choice that year. The most ready-made junior footballer to senior footballer. Like played first round, like, and in under 50 games was picked in the second team for Victoria that year where we had two teams. He was like in the second Victorian team and then just never did anything. Like just came in, like yeah. fully formed. Like Petrarca has that sort yeah. of, he's got an adult body. Yeah, because he is so big. But I think his self-belief is just off the charts. Like, you know, everything you hear yeah. about him is his own, even, his own fucking teammates talking about how... how Annoying he is. Annoying he is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, but he does. But you just got... He, he's, got he's got an appetite for the contest because yeah. he's not afraid because he's got that fucking frame. He's not scared to get the ball. But the thing that you really love about watching him play is he loves kicking a goal. Right. Like... I was watching him. There was a couple of contests in the forward line where he wasn't in and under. He was just hanging out the back, Stevie J style, just looking for that quick handball because he just loves having a ping. And you know, sort of, you know, seventy percent of the time he's gonna he's gonna kick it. Like in the wet, it was pissing down. Him and Jack Watts, watching their warm up, they were drilling him from fifty, like drop punts, which actually uh, leads me to to the other thing I should talk about. Yeah. Last year. Because uh, they, they had again that a goal kicking comp, I missed from directly in front, fifteen meters out, pretty much top of the square, and I fucking sprayed it. Hang on, did we, and it'd been haunting. Your, was this your only kick? Do you have, how did the goal kicking competition uh, work? No, so it's like uh, so you, you you have a shot from fifteen directly in front, shot from thirty directly in front, then you go on a forty five degree angle, then you go to the boundary line. Okay. That's how. Yep, that's sure. last year how it worked. Yeah. So I sprayed it uh, the first, but luckily it was still in the warm up. I didn't. I thought I was having a shot for goal as a warm-up, so then I, I nailed the next one and then went to 30 and missed that. Okay. But all uh, year, because Adam Spencer, you know, who's uh, one of the ambassadors for Red Kite, has been texting me and uh, giving me shit, basically, trying to get in my head yeah. <laughs> just about this year. So uh, it gets to this year and they call the game off. Sorry, we can't play a game, but we will do a goal-kicking comp. And so in the warm-up, you know, I'm there talking to Jude Bolton, get some tips, and I'm fucking nailing in the warm-up. We're in a little, like, indoor area and just kicking straight. We get out there and 
because they tell us we don't have time for you guys to do like, you know, um, we're not going to go from all these different spots around the ground. You're just going to get one shot at goal from 15 metres out directly in front. So just have your shot, you know, and then get off the ground essentially. And something happened to me where, like like I said, I'd been nailing it in the warm-up. I was like, you know what? There's 20,000 people here. I'm directly in front. If I'm going to have one kick at goal, uh, I'm going to fucking yeah. launch a torp. Like, I'm going to fucking uh, put it like no. 10 rows back. Right? This is a lot of risk. <laughs> this is a lot of risk yeah. on this moment because a torp is great if you hit it sweetly. But the thing about it, like, yeah. you can you can kick it like a drop punt and you can hit it yeah. like 85% and it looks all right. But if you yeah. kick a torp 85%, it could go over your head. Yeah. So, Will, you're a Ford line coach. Uh-huh. Uh it's uh, you're playing in the wet. Yeah, the wet. You're directly in front. Yeah. What do you tell your player? What kind of kick do you tell him to go for? <laughs> Banana. <laughs> <laughs> Run around. I did consider that. And check side. I don't know. Maybe maybe it was the showman in me. I was like, yeah. I just need to give the crowd something yeah. to get excited about. Now, when, so, you, when you say you were going to kick a talk, were you going to try to roost it like fifty though? Like roost yeah, it, roost it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So because it's still you know it's still the warm up part of the game. So they had the nets behind yeah. the goals, and I, my aim was to boot it over the nets, like to boot, like I said, yeah, ten no, rows. Totally. Back. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Going for glory. uh, Did you point at the crowd? (laughs) (laughs) No, but you know what I did? Is I fucking turned around to my team Uh and said, watch this, I'm going to go the tour. And everyone was like, what the fuck are you talking about? Bunch bunch of celebrities who've never heard of football until three weeks before this game. (laughs) (laughs) One guy who's still still sledging Jack Watts. (laughs) So what are you talking about? So uh, uh-huh. I go to launch the torp, yeah. and I don't hit it sweet. In fact, I hit it so not sweet. <laughs> it goes, I'm a left footer. It pretty much goes at like a 45-degree uh-huh. angle uh-huh. to my left. <laughs> like, not, doesn't, doesn't even spin like a torp. Spins like a fucking helicopter <laughs> and hits the behind post <laughs> so hard that the crowd actually goes, Ooh! <laughs> So then, like, once you've had your shot at goal, you've got to go jog down behind the goals and then kick the balls back for everyone else who's having mm-hmm. shots. So I go back and everyone's <laughs> oh, like, what no. the fuck are you thinking? No. I was like, I don't know. I just got a rush of blood. Right. And so then every kick I'm kicking back to the other people having their shots. Beautiful 45-meter yeah. drop punts. So game finishes. I, uh, I have a shower. I uh, go up into, into the stands and my manager's there with his wife and his kid. And, and so I sit down and I'm like, uh, did you see that? And he's like, yeah. <laughs> it's like, what the fuck were you thinking? <laughs> and I was like, he got, well, he got leading, I said, leading teams I'm... in to give you some feedback. <laughs> yeah. He said, uh, I said, I was just going to go with the big torp. I wanted to, you know, give the, the crowd something to go for. And he's like, mate, you're not Malcolm Blight. <laughs> <laughs> and you were 15 meters out, not fucking yeah. 75 meters out. <laughs> Fuck, so that's two years in a row that I've absolutely disgraced oh. myself in front of goal. Oh, now here's one thing I've got to ask you, because you know Spence a lot better than I do. Yeah. And I, look, he was the last guy to have a shot for goal. Uh-huh. And at, to that point, I feel like I had uh, humiliated myself the most. Okay. Spence has his shots for goal, slips and lands on his ass. Crowd laughs. Ah. Now, after the game, Spence said, look, because someone said, oh, did you do, was that on purpose? And Spence like, I'll let you in a little secret. Yeah, yeah, it was on purpose. And I'm like, okay. And then I had him repeat that three or four times in the change rooms. Uh-huh. And I'm like, I think you were protesting a, a little too much, Spence. Now, 
I don't want to cast aspersions. I'll let you cast aspersions because you know him much better than me. Is Spence the kind of guy who would take a pratfall to kind of win the crowd over? Or is he the kind of guy who'd fall over and then tell everyone he meant it? I mean, I think he could... Knowing, be- that, he li- knowing, that, knowing that he listens to this podcast. I mean, look, here's the first thing. He would not respect me if he did not think I was being honest with my opinions. <laughs> and he's known me long enough to sense bullshit, uh, you know, when I'm bullshitting. So, honestly... I think that he is all of those things. <laughs> I think he is, A, the sort of person who might possibly take a pratfall for a huge laugh in that situation. That's a funny joke, particularly you know, on a wet day. And I will say this about Adam is he's not afraid to offset his smarts by playing like the physical clown. So that would not surprise yeah. me. But the other thing that I will say about him is he's also a man who can turn uh, like a bad thing into... A good thing, really quickly. He can, <laughs> and he'd be a good coach. You'd love him to do the yeah. post-match, like yeah, because you'd always find the positive. You'd always find the upside to a situation. So yeah, I mean, he does have a a a, a, a habit of turning uh, shit into gold as well. So it could be. Yeah. Well, regardless, intentional or not intentional, thanks, Adam. It, it took a bit of the hate off me being the most humiliating footballer out there. You know what it was like? It was like when I watched the first episode, the pilot of Lost again recently, and I was like, oh, my God, there's so many things that later you know, paid off that are here in this first episode. Now, does that mean that they knew how those episodes were going to be in that first episode, or did they just cleverly backdate that story after what happened? I'm not sure. <laughs> Unless there's a time capsule where Adam's done a little thing like that's, I mean, I guess that's the proof. And if he is listening, he can let us know. But uh, maybe he recorded on his phone beforehand. Uh, here's what I'm going to do on the ground for a joke, just so that like when if people doubt me later, maybe there's some recorded evidence or something. Yeah, I don't think he did that. <laughs> I, I, he told me he did have some paperwork, but it disintegrated Essendon style. So. <laughs> So we should talk about uh, Eddie and what happened there, I suppose, as well, because uh, that was such a huge mm. story this week. We won't linger on it too long because many people have had their opinions on this topic already. Uh, but, you know, I, I think one of the reasons when we started this podcast was that, you know, when the Adam Goods thing happened, that there wasn't a lot of people who represented the sort of views that we had about the game during that time. So I just wanted to know what, what you thought about the Eddie Maguire thing. And then I'll, I'll tell people what I thought, or we can just talk about it, I guess what happened. Yeah. Well, I, I, I have to be honest and say like when it first kind of happened, um, I sort of had one of those reactions like the, that when uh, was it Chris Gale, the, the cricketer was, um, uh, flirting with that female journalist, which is like, okay, look, this is annoying, but can we move on? Like, there's, right. there's not, this is not really a big issue. Um, and I even talked to, to Gemma about it, and I was like, look, you know, just from a female perspective, like, what I don't, uh, you know, what I didn't understand about it was, because um, I hadn't heard the conversation, I just heard, you know, what they had been talking about. And I was like, you know, is this not just, um, you know, is this, if we're talking about equality, is, you know, if you're joking about a male journalist or, or you know, drowning a male journalist, isn't that just what kind of guys do and stuff? And which they had been, Gemma, which they had been doing that day. Like, I mean, to, to put in the context, like, they, 
Eddie Maguire, I mean, I'm sure everybody knows this story who listens to this podcast, but Eddie Maguire um, was doing the Freeze MND, which is the Neil Danaher charity for motor neuron disease. And they've done, I think, like the first thing that we can say is what a fucking amazing job they have done with turning that into a thing. Like the money they've raised, like I think $8 million or something when they originally set up to raise half a, half a million dollars and the way the football world has embraced that like stupid like slide and like you get all those football personalities and they raise all that money and it raises all this awareness and it's given that Queen's birthday game a real sense of like the football community coming together to joke mm. at each other's expense and in doing so raise a heap of money and a heap of awareness. So I think yeah. that like the context of the day is important to they had been joking about drowning other, you know, journalists or other people, other, you know, Gillum, like they just joked about getting the head of the AFL, Gillum McLaughlin, down the slide and, you know, made jokes at his expense mm. and his jacket and whatever. So yeah. that's the context. But what did Gemma, yeah. Gemma say when you said that? Well, I mean, but again, it comes down to context again because she doesn't, you know, really follow football and she doesn't know who Caroline Wilson is. And so I just sort of explained a bit about, you know, Caroline Wilson and what she's known for and her reputation, but also her relationship with Eddie and the fact that she had, you know, written that article questioning whether or not Eddie should stay as being president. And when Gemma heard that, she's like, okay, so Eddie was pissed off at her about, you know, what she'd said. Right. And that was the sort of first moment that I twigged, okay, it's not like banter about, well, let's pull down, you know, uh, Gil McLaughlin's pants or whatever you know, it is. There's something, obviously, there is a, a grudge or there was something personal yeah. to this, um, you know, to this attack that Eddie felt. And even though he it was under the guise of, of banter and joking, right. his way of dealing with criticism was to joke about, like, you know, drowning this person. And, you know, and then Spud jumped in and, 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 and said that he'd hold her under and all that kind of stuff. And, no, so I sort of was just trying to get my head around because when the when it's at the start of the week when you know the the story really broke and people were sort of going back and forth, Spud released an apology. I thought it was the first one I read, and it was through the St Kilda Football Club. St Kilda released a statement saying, you know, they're talking to Spud and uh, they'll be releasing a statement soon. And then Spud released his apology, and I actually thought it was really good. That's what actually gave me a greater understanding. Seeing what his journey through this was gave me a greater understanding of why people were upset about this and, and where the offence had been caused. And also, obviously, reading Caroline Wilson's articles as well. Well, the thing but about da Spud the was... Danny Frawley thing, and like just to give that... Because I love Danny Frawley. Like, I'm a real Spud fan. and But we've, we also... Spud's no genius. Like, he's not going to be no. your lifeline on who wants to be a millionaire. You know, you're not going to get Spud involved in your local trivia team unless you just like a guy there to have some fun along the way. Like, he's not... He's not necessarily the most evolved man in the world but he also has like three or four daughters you know to your much under the father-son rule much chagrin and mm -hmm. and i think that he genuinely got straight away how terrible the thing that he had said even though he didn't mean it at the time to be like i think those two things can be true i think that they can think that they don't mean it but on reflection mm -hmm. realize that you still said something that is terrible a hundred percent. And that's kind of how I felt about it as well. Because at first when I heard it, it didn't bother me and I didn't think there was too much to it. But then when you dig a little deeper and you get the context of what was going on, then you can start to say, all right. I mean, I think if... So can I just... if Because we can go yeah. right through this whole thing. But I wanted to mention something that happened on our other podcast recently. Tofob. 
Yeah. Like uh, somebody sent me a message saying, you know, you talk all the time about, you know, like not, you know, using derogatory words towards gay people or whatever, or, you or, you know, towards Adam Goods or these sort of things. But, you know, often like, you know, and I've done it before you know, in early episodes, and I know that you've done it as well, is use the word retarded. And she was saying that as like a, like a person to me, like to her, that was a really derogatory thing to say. And... In my head, the first thing I was like, well, the person who said that, whether it was you or me or whether whoever it was, I know that they didn't mean it with that in mind. Intent. But having had it explained to me in the way that you've explained it, I also totally accept that you're 100% right. And I think both of those things can be true. You know, that both those, that the intent of the people could be not to say something terrible, but you can still end up saying something terrible that on reflection, when you've had more time to think about it and not just saying that thing in that moment, go, oh no, that was the, the wrong thing to say. And I, I should not have said that. Well, I think the other thing that was brought up, um, you know, was there's an example about, well, you know, Tony Shaw on 3AW said something, you know, uh, that was almost just as controversial when Caroline Wilson was in the studio. But as Caroline Wilson pointed out, yeah, but she was in the studio. Right. So, you know, to write something off as banter uh, suggests that it's inclusive, that, you know, it's what people do. Like, friends will sit around and will put each other down and say horrible things to each other because it's part of a kind of social interaction and that's how we have fun. But the difference is you are there to engage and defend or give back. But in this situation, it was, it, it just, because I actually heard the clip, I actually uh, only a couple of days ago listened to it, and it does sound super aggressive. Like it does sound like a bunch of guys, like just all piling on <laughs> this one person. And to be honest, like male or female, even if it was like, you know, Damien Barrett that they were talking about, and they do give him a lot of shit, but it would sound like bullying. Like it, it's, I went to an all boys school and I know what that sounds like. You know what I mean? Well, I, I said to James Brainshaw once about, cause you know, I love, I love the rub. And like, it was only an accident that I had not heard that episode before this came up. Cause normally I listen to every episode, but I've been away and we didn't have any internet and all those sort of things. So I just hadn't, hadn't heard it. I ordinarily would have heard it. But, um, uh, the thing I love about that show is that it is bullying. I think some of the, most fun Australian humor, like Australian men humor with each other is bullying each other. Like, I don't mean, yeah, but the bullying, like you said, where you all know that we're all essentially on the same, there's not one bully. We're all bullying each other and the momentum in this could change at any moment. You think right now you're the bully, but like 30 seconds from now, that guy over there is going to have something on you and you're going to be the person being bullied. That's an environment that you've walked into on purpose and everybody understands. That is very different to that same group of people suddenly bullying someone who isn't there, who also happens to be a woman. And you've got like this five, like male energy in this male dominated world suddenly ganging up. And all these people that Eddie roped in, by the way, like, you know, like when you hear it, like, cause I like Eddie and I think that uh, you know, people have heard me say this before. I think he's, I think his main problem is when he tries to be funny. He's David Brent. He's a really, 
lovable person until he tries to test out his fucking humor and he's not a professional humorist and to do edgy interesting humor the truth of it is charlie that you actually have to fucking have some experience in it and know what you're doing and if you go back on every single time that eddie mcguire gets himself in trouble every single time it's when he's trying to be funny he does everything else really well he just should stop trying to be fucking funny because he just the David Brent thing is perfect. I've never thought of it before, but that's exactly what it is. Because you know he doesn't mean offence, but it's just so clumsy in the way he brings it through. And what it does is it actually exposes some kind of darker uh, side to to his personality. Yeah, and that's the thing about Eddie. When you come start to have these conversations, is do I think Eddie Maguire clearly does more good than he does harm? Like, if you look at the genuine work he does, and this is why I think he never gets it when he fucks up like this, because Eddie fucked up here. There is absolutely no doubt, and it took him a couple of days. He's kind of realized now that he fucked up and how much he fucked up. But I heard his radio show the first morning, and like usual, he did not think he had fucked up. He think people are just misconstrued because he... In his mind, he gives himself so much credit for all the good stuff he does that he can't understand that when he occasionally trips that people don't like take into account all the good stuff he does. But he doesn't realize he's the only person paying attention to that. It doesn't work like that. People only remember mm. the shitty stuff. And after a while, you're Lindsay Thomas and people think you're fucking duck. Regardless of whether you're ducking or not, you suddenly have a track record and people... And so the more shit you put out there, the more people are looking at your stuff. If this was another mm. player, like the Lindsay Thomas thing, if it was someone who didn't have a record and they did the same thing, they get out of this, you know what I mean? You know what's weird is we've probably spent 40 minutes on this show talking about Lindsay Thomas and about 10 talking about Eddie Maguire. It's been a big, <laughs> Which, big episode for Lindsay Thomas. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Lindsay. <laughs> Uh, we should look ahead yeah. to the games. We're not going to do a recap of last week because uh, there's a Thursday night game tonight. And so if we have any hope of getting this up yeah, for the let's first get it up. bounce, we need to just uh, preview uh, this round uh, 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 and not look back. So the buys for this week are uh, Port, uh, Bulldogs, West Coast Eagles, Sydney, Essendon and Melbourne. Uh, but the first game is tonight is Adelaide versus North Adelaide Oval. Now, North are, mm, you know, that all that... look. You don't want to say, I told you so, but all that kind of, those reservations we had about North, that suspicion about them being league leaders we had about six weeks ago, now we're starting to kind of see what's going on. Like That forward line is, is not functioning as well as it was in the first eight weeks. Jared Waite has only kicked like a goal or, or one goal in like the last month or so. Mate, they are rummish Harry Chandran and the ambulance is about to come because he sprinted that first lap, but... <laughs> No, I mean, Jared Waite was carrying an injury. He shouldn't have played that, that last game he played, he said. And then they had the next week off. So I think he's he's been a bit injured. But, yeah, I mean, I think they're like a top four to six side. And now suddenly they're hitting a lot of really, really good teams. They were good last week. Mm. Like, I don't think North Melbourne... Yeah. Like, I think if you're... But they've got a couple of injuries at the wrong time. And, you know, they've had a few in and outs. Yeah. And, and Goldstein's, like, you know, not been in the you know the health and form that, that he was in and... But I still think they're not. I mean, I know that people just want to write they're them off. They're top four. They're fine. They'll, they'll, yeah, they're, I agree. They'll finish about where they yeah, finish every year. And the thing that we know about North Melbourne is, like, they've finished, like, you know, in that sort of bottom half, well, that kind of middle of the top eight the last couple of years and made prelims both of those years because 
once they get into the finals, they're a pretty good team in the finals. So they'll get in the finals, and then you roll the dice and you see what happens. They could still win it, but yeah, I mean, they're they're probably a bit more like where we all thought they were now. <laughs> so uh, are you going to tip Adelaide for that game? I mean, Adelaide at home, they should win that. I mean, Adelaide could still win this premiership, I think. So Adelaide at home for me. Oh, really? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, so... Yeah, so do you think it's Adelaide? I mean, I've always felt like it was a Sydney Geelong or a, or a Sydney Hawthorne grand final, but do you think Adelaide are a sneaky chance? I mean, here's the thing I would say about this season, and I'm not the first person to say it, but I do think it's great, is that who fucking knows who's going to win it? Like, literally, who knows? It's great. It's a great year for footy. It could be. I think here are the teams that I think could still win it. I think that Hawthorne and Geelong, you know, I mean, in a season where anyone could win it, it could still be a fucking Hawthorne Geelong grand final, like every fucking year. Um, or the Sydney Swans. I think those three teams could definitely win it. I think that Adelaide could win it. I think that GWS could win it. And I think that the Bulls. No, you don't. I do. And I you, think that if. You honestly think GWS could they win? They could. It. I mean, they could. I don't yeah. think they will, but I think they could. And I think that the Bulldogs, if we got our injuries right at the right time, could, could, could win it. I'm not saying, I mean, I yeah. think we're more likely to not quite be there this season, but. But we could, if we got the right players back at the right time. I reckon there's like six or so teams that could win it this year. Friday night becomes an interesting game. It's the Pies taking on Fremantle at the MCG. The resurgent Fremantle, three in a row. Fucking, I feel like Ross Lyon, his, his ego is tinged a bit by the whole tanking allegations. And not only that, the tanking allegations and the suggestions that he can't rebuild a team. So it's like, you know what? I'm going to fucking stack the team with some kids. I'm going to show you what I can fucking do. Roper dope. Has he roper doped us a little? Did he go, we'll lose a bunch? Oh, you reckon we'll... they're gonna, you reckon they're gonna Richmond us, are they? Mate. Imagine if Fremantle got Richmond here. That'd be amazing. I mean, fi- you know what? Fremantle are kind of like the Richmond of the West. It does make sense. Like, they've been flaky for a long bloody time. It's only since the Russ Lyon yeah. era that we've forgotten. But remember, they were a very Richmondy type. It's a good point. I'm gonna call Fremantle West Richmond from now on. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to pick uh, Freo to win that game. Yeah, I think Freo. Collingwood are hopeless. <laughs> I mean, come on. I love it. I love it. 14th on the ladder. We're in bloody shambles. Mick Malthouse is taking pot shots every week. Oh, I love it. Mate, the only thing that... When, when we started a football podcast, you could have not asked anything more than for Collingwood to have a fucking disastrous oh, season. Mate, the only what thing, a great first year the only thing for that, our podcast. The only thing that's balanced out Colton being better than they're expected is Collingwood being worse than they were. <laughs> <laughs> from West Richmond to the actual Richmond they yeah. take on the Brisbane Lions at the MCG oh, every time wow. I see a Brisbane Lions game I'm like who cares mate Brisbane Brisbane I mean Dustin Martin will get three votes and head the Brownlow medal at this stage of the season do you reckon over Danger well I don't know but like I mean Danger's got Selwood there <laughs> you know what I mean like yeah, but Martin's been good the last like five or six weeks. Very good. Like he's he's uh, a yeah. he's turning into the player that everybody hoped he would be. I'm going to say because uh, it's all out the window for Richmond now. Like they're not going to make finals, so we can't. the 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 Richmondy equation becomes very confusing. So I reckon they could lose this. I'm going to say my lock of the week <laughs> is no. the Lions over the Tigers at the MCG, <laughs> mate. Brisbane couldn't make scrambled eggs because they couldn't beat the fucking eggs. <laughs> like, seriously. <laughs> Richmond. 
<laughs> if Brisbane don't beat uh, Brisbane, they just should shut the fucking operation down. <laughs> <laughs> Voluntarily disband the just club. Chuck it in. Seventy thousand people. Up at, spot, up at Spotless, the uh, GWS cocky bastards take yeah. on Carlton. Um, Carlton were uh, look. Saints had a good win, but geez, Carlton. They, I think they what won six out of seven, and then they did, they just looked tired. I think they were so uh, uh, they weren't expecting those victories. It, it just it took a bit out of them. So I reckon they're kind of ripe for a bit of a spanking up there. Oh yeah, G- GWS. Like I mean, this you know, I mean. I think, yeah, right, talking about raining on Carlton's parades, uh, this is going to be like those Sydney storms where, like, you know, pools and houses fell into the ocean. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this <laughs> this will be a good day for the stats for GWS. Uh, Saturday night, my boys are Saints take on a red-hot Cats at Etihad Stadium. Jeez. Uh, All I'm hoping is that, you know, Danger's got leather poisoning and he, and he just won't pull up for <laughs> this game. Um it's going to be a. It's going to be a really quick game. Uh, I reckon we. I, I feel like we we sort of got back on track with that victory against Carlton. We had you know five major emissions: no Dempster, no Fisher, no Revolt, no McCartan. We played pretty well, um, but you know Geelong are red hot and and they're going they're going to want to they're going to want to smash us. So if we can hang in there for three quarters and get it under four goals, I'll be happy. If we can get a victory, even better. Eric Banner, each week. <laughs> tweet something about having a feeling about the Saints having a win before the West Coast game and before the Adelaide game. Eric tweeted that, you know, don't be surprised if the Saints win. <laughs> so, bloody stay off Twitter this weekend, Eric. I'd like to see a victory, but I, I, I can't mean, see that. Eric Banner also thought the Hulk was going to be good. So, I mean, you know, <laughs> I mean, he's a great actor, but his prediction radar might not be spot on. Is that the last game? No, last game. Hawthorne versus Gold Coast uh, uh, at Aurora. Oh, jeez. What's going to happen there? I mean... Aaron Hall's back in. I mean, that's a long way for the Gold Coast to travel. All the way to Aurora, yeah. too. I mean... Yeah. And Harley, ben- and Harley Bennell's not down there this year, so every dealer in Launceston <laughs> will be fucking spewing. I mean, that is one of the great, like, unconcentrated on points of that story, is the fact that he was doing those drugs in Tasmania. <laughs> like, who's he getting coke from in Tasmania? Do they have coke in Tasmania? Like, I just, I mean, I haven't been to Tasmania for a while, and I guess, like, I wasn't looking for coke when I was there. But normally, just in general, you'd know if, like, those sort of things are happening. And it never really struck it's a me big as, like... Si- it's, it's, a, it's a big city drug, and it's not... Does uh, it really... And it doesn't strike you as no, Tasmania's... Yeah. You know it's good for coke. you know like just doesn't really feel like that's anyway whatever but um (laughs) yeah no Hawthorne Hawthorne are good mate Hawthorne who just I mean they're just they've been getting it done can we let go on we might as well just touch on this you mentioned before Mike Hal uh our artificial intelligence uh super producer uh, informed us today that his quantum processors have settled on the Hawks, uh, statistically the best team for him to support. Um, as we said, good on you, mate. I mean, Just pick the you. team, the most yeah. successful club in the last 30 years. I might start barracking for Manchester United. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I might start, you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's ridiculous, isn't it? It's like you can't just come into a thing and choose a team that's the best team. <laughs> well, you know what? He actually has been watching all the games, yeah, and true. he said he was going to give himself is going to give himself half the season to kind of pick the team. 
And he said that even though he doesn't know the fabric of the club, he got a sense that, you know, this is a team that knows how to win. Yeah, I mean, they're a happy team at Hawthorne. Uh, I mean, why wouldn't you want to barrack for the fucking Hawks? Like, I mean, if you... That's like coming into like, oh, which of these computer companies should I be in charge of? And you go, well, you know what? At the end of the day... Apple. I guess it's going to be Apple. They're really successful, and I like all their products. Is it too late? Is it too? Is it too late to uh, put money into Commodore sixty four? Yeah, <laughs> like <laughs> I mean, who I, that's who I'm fucking investing in. Right. Like you go to the market leader. Like if you were just like, hey, yeah. I'm going to you know invest in a soft drink and I can start from scratch. You'll buy some shares in fucking Coke. You're not going to just be <laughs> like, you know, yeah, I'll be a Sprite guy or whatever. <laughs> or Lloyd's. <laughs> yeah, I'll be a creaming soda. <laughs> Uh, Michael's asking us if we had a chance for a clean slate. Yeah, who would we pick? I mean, we, okay, that's yeah, okay, that's an interesting question. Like, if you clean slate, I mean, it's hard to, but if you could just look at the AFL now, let's say 2016. This is the first season you've ever watched Mike Hell's style. So this is all you've got to go on. No history. Easy. Easy. GWS. No question. They're my favourite team to watch, outside of St Kilda. I mean, yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> I mean, I'd, oh, yeah, they're like the fucking I'd, Harlem Globetrotters. I'd still be pretty into the Bulldogs, I think. Like, I think that we were, like, you know, but no, no, you, no. Let, let's say you can't pick the Bulldogs. Oh, okay, they, 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 they don't exist in this universe. All right. Yeah, Hawthorne and City, Mike Hal say, and they're, you know what? They're just quality, quality brands. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. It's just Microsoft or Apple. Yeah, that's what you're picking. Clooney or Pitt. And you've just and fucking buddy, he's you are thinking about fucking buddy. Yeah. Wow, you have to get in line. Exactly, a long, he's already a got long his line. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we need to wrap this up because I got to do yeah. do some real work. Uh, it's good to have you back. Yeah, that's no, good to be uh, back. I'm, I cry. Uh, you just go overnight. I, I did not check. I will say this: I would. I did not check um, uh, the footy results much when I was away because my podcast equipment went missing, and then we had shitty internet. So I thought, oh fuck it, I'll take a little break. Uh, but there was mm. one morning in the middle of my holiday when uh, the people who were staying in the house woke up to find me crying, and that was when uh, Bob Murphy had said that he was going to play again next year. So <laughs> I found out that news when I was in Mallorca, Spain, <laughs> Christopher Skate style, and I was crying in the morning yeah. into my delicious baguette. So I was very that <laughs> made me very happy to see next year. It might be next year, Charlie. Well, it's good to have you back. Make sure you go uh, have a nice bath. We'll need you back next week. Um, and in our traditional sign-off, oh, yeah, right. play on, not 15. Ball! <laughs> we are two guys, one car.